you. Bosses. There are actually three of them here. Usually there's a, a walkout when I come on stage, and I'm very flattered that all three are staying on, and, and friends. And I don't intend any mutual exclusiveness to these two categories. A very good afternoon to you. Uh, the big question posed by Jillian's team is what you see on the screen. Is this an internet election? There is actually a very short answer to that question, and if I gave it to you, you'll all walk away for another coffee break. So let me go about it in a roundabout way, which is not entirely uncharacteristic uh, for people of my color. Uh, so I'll start by giving you a little background um, to the online media, which the internet had enabled, and how political communication is played out in that space compared with offline media or the traditional media of newspapers, radio, and television. I should also alert you uh, to the fact that when we talk about uh, online media, we are including not just the computer-based communication, but also mobile communication. Then this is very important. In the case of Singapore, the traditional media of newspapers, radio, and television are the mainstream media, widely considered to be pro-establishment media. There is hardly any alternative media in the traditional platforms, except for a few opposition party newspapers in print. On the other hand, almost all the alternative media in Singapore are in online medium, such as blogs, websites, social networks, etc., etc. However, not all of the online media are alternative media because traditional media such as Straits Times, Sharpong, or Mediacorp, they are all also online. Therefore, it cannot be said that all online media are anti-establishment, but it could be argued that all anti-establishment media are online. Now, this is very important to bear in mind when you discuss online media, okay? Why is the online media so full of anti-establishment voices, so toxic? First, it is the outpouring of the pent-up demand stretching over decades of restricted and censored speech. They have nowhere else to go. Second, it is the electronic coffee shop where everyone can say what they feel like. And that's what we do in real-life coffee shops. Third, unlike the real-life coffee shop, the online coffee shop enables every single one to reach any number of people anywhere, anytime, at very low or even no cost. This is unprecedented in human history. Fourth, online media provides a level of anonymity that is not available anymore on the offline media. Finally, Online media allows for those people who really want to, to operate beyond the Singapore jurisdiction. This is another very important point. Let me now take a moment to comment on some common misperceptions about cyberspace. Huh? Many seem to think there is a lot of similarity between offline media and online media. Far from it. 
if you can imagine mainstream media in some kind of familiar shapes, whether it is a, wrong, a circle or a, a triangle or a square, because there are different media environments, what would you say is the shape of online media or media? Um, let me show you something. This is what cyberspace is. What is the shape here? The nearest thing you can think of is amoeba. And like the amoeba, it is a constantly changing shape. No one really knows what is the shape of cyberspace. And just when you think you have learned to put your arm around it, it does what amoebas do. It splits again. All right? So this is exactly what is happening in online media. And uh, 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 as someone said earlier, King Canute, there's no way, there's, there is no King Canute here. Now, if you only think that cyberspace is toxic, which is a term that we often use, and there is a lunatic fringe, I invite you to listen to your radio today, and when you go back and read the papers, uh, Murdoch has just closed down the News of the World, which is the biggest selling newspaper in the United Kingdom, and it is 168 years old. So it is really not true that the lunatic fringe, and why was it closed down? Because of gross violation of journalistic and humanitarian standards. There's a lot of lunatics in mainstream media as well. Now back to 2011, eh? general elections. Because of these fundamental differences between offline and online media, and the burgeoning growth, I, I wasn't referring to the present ones, eh? uh, and the burgeoning growth of online media, there was a high expectation that the alternative media online would make this election an internet election which is a shorthand way of saying the ruling People's Action Party would be trounced in a number of constituencies by the power of the alternative media and lead the opposition to the altar of victory. As we have already heard, even though the PAP retained 81 out of 87 seats, the G2011 was considered a watershed election, and the opposition did break through the psychological barrier of GRCs by winning one of them. But was it all because of the alternative media? Let us revisit the evidence provided by Gillian's uh, uh, team survey. Uh, newspapers and TV are still top channels of communication in shaping people's decision on whom to vote. Fewer than 45% said the material found on the internet was the most important of all in shaping their views. However, online media was more influential with some segments of the people. The younger the age, the higher the income, and the higher the occupational class, yes, it had more influence. These findings of the survey are not really all that surprising. In fact, uh, Nielsen Media Index regularly publishes these things, and they have uh, said, you know, over 90% of their respondents still consider newspapers first and then TV second as the uh, most important sources of information. So there's no surprise here. Now. Um, I should just point out at this juncture, since this survey had only one basic question, it's not, uh, there is not so much of uh, material here for me to continue to analyze this uh, current survey, but I'm happy to report that IPS is leading another major massive survey of the impact of the internet on the general elections 2011, and I'm currently advertising for it. Please keep your dates in October free. We will be laying out another big conference uh, for which you will pay. Uh, 
while the current survey findings would make it hard to characterize the GE 2011 as the internet election, I would like to spend a few minutes on the power of the uh, power the online media actually has based on our previous studies and uh, our continuing observation. My colleague Tan Hao, uh, Tan Tan Hao and I have been watching the growth of online media for almost a decade and did a study of the 2006 elections and also the uh, Malaysian elections in 2008. It is clear that the alternative media online is having a growing and significant influence and impact on Singapore. That there is no doubt. Though the internet has been around since the beginning of the 1990s, the role of the online media on our elections have been severely restricted until recently because of the crippling rules and regulations and partly because Singaporeans just didn't know, and this includes uh, political parties, didn't know how to take full advantage of this medium that is available to them. Just to give you a quick sense of the regulatory framework over the years, um, in the 1998, the Films Act was amended to ban all political films and videos to protect politics from what the government calls sensationalism and inaccuracy. Only they knew what the exact meaning was. That move had a chilling effect on the whole cyberspace. The government seemed to think that they could impose the kind of controls that were easily enforceable in the offline media. Then over the years, more constraints were introduced, tightening the nose. When the 2006 election came about, um, some felt the regulations would be amended further, but actually, the government did not do so. However, that was the time when some netizens decided to flout certain rules and test the waters. Alex Au, <laughs> I know you are, everybody has to mention him, there's no way we can get around that, uploaded this photo of the Workers' Party rally that, was, that has now become an iconic milestone marking the turning point of online activism. As many of you would also recall, Mr. Brown added his own poison to the Puritan cyberspace with his podcast of Bacho Ming, which savaged the poor handling of the James Gomez affair by the authorities. People watched with bated breath to see if irreverent and even illegal violations of the election rules would be punished. Nothing happened. The 2008 Malaysian election and the dramatic role the online media there added further impetus, possibly inspiration, to Singapore's cyber activism. Though the circumstances were entirely different and far worse in Malaysia, Singaporeans seemed to look across the causeway with certain admiration at their cyber warriors. Then in 2009, there were further amendments or to the Films Act, only this time to provide some relief to the severe restrictions of the past. The government called it an effort to further liberalize the space for political expression. Further liberalize. There was also the simple fact that local government controls could be easily circumvented by determined netizens. Again, in 2010, the government opened the digital doors even wider and allowed for greater exchange of political communication. Now let me spend a couple of minutes on sharing our assessment of how the political parties and the concerned 
citizens took advantage of the considerably liberated cyberspace during the 2011 elections. There is no doubt about the volume and range of information and views this time because it was far more than in 2006, partly because there were far more players and constituencies in this general election. This is the, big, this is the biggest one uh, in recent memory. However, <coughs> the use of new media varied from party to party. And I'd like to use a very rough schematic invented by my colleague Tanhao, and we call it the four Ps. Uh, Tommy? Ah, okay. Presence, your footprint on the web. Just, you know, how big you are on the cyberspace. Projection, this is how you project, promote your campaign messages. Preparedness, how well prepared, how ready are you to deal with this new media? Because unlike the uh, traditional media, you really don't know what's going to happen any time of the day. And finally, positive or negative effect, whether your online activity is helped or hindered, and there are a number of cases where the online activity actually um, seemed like they were shooting themselves in the foot. Our guesstimate is that the Workers' Party and the SDP did much better than all others, including the Garagantuan People's Action Party, who had the biggest resources. Um, also, and this is very, very important, and this is where the old media is completely different. A lot of non-party members, that is ordinary citizens, went on into this new arena and used it to support or condemn the parties and candidates. Thus, the new media playing field was more level, or at least was leveled by political actors as well as ordinary people. The old position was the media owned you. In the new era, you own the media. And this is unprecedented again in Singapore's history. <laughs> Another interesting observation is that the relaxation of rules and regulations did not lead to the new media running amok with falsehood and smear campaigns by the parties. This is what the government was always fearing and articulating. And justified all those restrictions on that basis. Well, we didn't say any of that. Individual behavior on the net was, of course, very varied. But that is normal behavior. So our parties behaved like normal parties, and our people behaved like normal people with a whole range of uh, expressions, some lunatic, some highly erudite. <coughs> I would now like to address one of the most frequently asked questions about the inter intermedia impact. Did the alternative media push the mainstream media? The role of mainstream media in this election has also come under a lot of scrutiny. Past surveys show that there, that there is mainstream media bias and favoritism towards the ruling party. But since 2006, many observers have noted a marked change in mainstream media coverage of the opposition more information, less bias, or less cynicism. Is uh, 2011 very different from 2006? Certainly, the volume of coverage went up, volume of coverage of the opposition went up, simply because this was a much bigger election and more candidates needed to be covered. But was the tone and the slant much different? Now, 
Tanao and I are not in a position to make any comments on this because we need really hard analysis, data analysis, and we're doing that. But what is really interesting, the question for me is, is this inevitable? Is the shift in the traditional media inevitable? Did the alternative media push the mainstream media to be more balanced? Many seem to think so. My view, while it is clear that the alternative media had pushed the mainstream media, and that the mainstream media was no longer the sole agenda setter in Singapore, the political coverage of the mainstream media in 2011 and even in 2006 may not have gone this far without internal management decision to move to the center. Habits of hardcore players, or knuckle-duster politics as some would characterize it, could have pushed the mainstream media to stick to their old ways, but that did not happen. There was clearly a shift in the political management of the mainstream media. The need to bridge the credibility gap the mainstream media had long been suffering from must have been an important factor in the calculus and the final decision. Most important of all, Singapore mainstream media was slowly returning to what it was prior to the 1970s, a normal media environment with a plurality of voices and views and ownership controls. Finally, let me address another burning question. Did the combination of the alternative media and the mainstream media make the PAP lose six percentage points in this election? Is the media to be blamed? <clears throat> While I'm not a political scientist, just from attending the various election rallies during those days and talking to a number of people on the ground, I could sense, as many others have uh, now confirmed, a, no a noticeable ground shift against the PAP. It remains to be confirmed if the ground shift was fueled by the media in any way. My, my view is it's not all that clear. In fact, we had some internal debate, this is within my own group, about this, and we posed two questions to get at the answer. Suppose the new media had such a field day in 2006, you know, without those restrictions in 2006, would the electoral outcome have been different? And suppose in 2011 we had the same restrictions as in the past, would the uh, outcome been different? Now my guess is it would be different but only very slightly, and where the difference would be in the marginal constituencies like um, uh, in Putong Pase, where there was just a difference of 300 odd uh, seats, yes, the new media could have made a real difference. But I don't personally don't think, uh, you know, it is uh, it is all that decisive. I'm sure uh, I will be challenged on this. Certainly, even within my own group, I have been uh, uh, knocked on my head. But anyway, there is a clear indication that media, especially the alternate media, and the ground are interacting all the time. And, and they're constantly feeding each other. It is not a one-way uh, communication process anymore. The alternative media reflected what was on the ground much more than what the mainstream media has done in the last 35 years. The ground also has learned new things from the new media, and it reacted. And this is very normal in most liberal democracies. What is happening, this is my final point, what is happening in Singapore is that many things are returning to their normal state. 
By the way, I've been using this phrase for a few years now uh, in, in the context of the new media, how they are pushing us to the normal state. We had built up the idea of a unique nation to such an extent that it justifies a unique political system of 1.1 parties in the parliament and what some people have called as masa masa opposition in the guise of nominated MPs and non-constituency MPs sitting in the same chamber as elected representatives of the people. This has been character characterized by some people, some observers, as an invention of the PAP government to just give a semblance of opposition. What the election result, as well as the alternative media and the mainstream media have shown is the beginning of the normalization of a unique nation, or at least some people may call it new normal, for me it is old normal. Thank you. <laughs>